Hello, 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 and welcome to the Unnamed English Minds podcast, episode two. And we're here actually to discuss some footballing action with you uh, this week. Uh, my name's Connor, joining me is Sheridan. Hello, Sheridan. How are we doing? I'm very good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks, mate. After a busy weekend being a Minds fan. Yeah, I mean, there has been a lot going on. So uh, we'll very quickly give you an overview. Uh, we had two first round games in the um, DFB Pokal, away at Elversberg and away at Airfort for the women's team. Uh, in what was their first competitive fixture. And there was even a little party in the town, uh, the Zomerfest, where they sort of presented our team for us for the season um, to uh, an enraptured audience, I would say. Um, so there was a lot going on, and uh, Mainz did take up a lot of my weekend, Sheridan. Well, how about you? They took up half of my weekend, at least. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was, uh, it was a big day out, wasn't it, for on Saturday. The, the first team, we travelled over to the, to the French border. Um, to take on Elfersberg in the men's competition and we made a even longer trip or the, the team made an even longer trip uh, to go to Airfort in the first round of the women's competition on Sunday as well so plenty of travelling uh, took place Yep and thankfully both 1-0 wins both in the second round of the cup um, the draw for the men's team is not going to be till October so we don't really need to dwell on that um, I think for the women's team it's on Tuesday so uh, we'll know who they're playing um, by the time the next episode's out and uh, I think that game's played in September at some point so lots to look forward to on that front um, but yeah like I said 2 one nils. we only went to one of them so we can only really analyse one of them as well um, so let's go towards Elversberg with you mentioning that it's on the French border I thought it was very interesting that they couldn't pronounce Anthony Cassie's name <laughs> for Toffee it was, uh, it was interesting but yeah um <sighs> 1-0, I mean, on paper, it looks very much like a sort of what you want from a first round of a cup, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, um, we're through to the next round and that's the most important thing. That's what we wanted from that match. We talked about it in the last episode saying that it was going to be a difficult game. They're not going to be pushovers. Um, we need to make sure that we don't take them lightly. In the end, I thought they, they didn't show a lot. Um, they weren't the toughest opposition in the world. But on the other side, we, we didn't kill them off in a way we probably should have done. And I think a lot of comments coming out after the game is we could have gone on to win that 4 or 5 nil, ended up winning it 1-0 um, and making things difficult at the end for us. And, and it was a very mites performance. Yeah, I can kind of see that. I mean, I've... I think I tend to think come at things in a bit more of a positive sense. I think this is what will be uh, seen over the course of the season. Um, so I kind of have viewed it as, you know, it could have been a lot easier than it was, but I can't really fault much of the performance. I think I, I would look at the fact that we didn't score more than we did, probably more through the eyes of keepers had a good game. We've got a little bit unlucky with the refereeing decisions at certain points. Uh, and also you're playing another team and what they did do actually was organise themselves quite well um, we were just trying to break down through two banks of four basically for most of the game and uh, yeah it's difficult to do that even uh, against a team in the league below so to be honest it was a much more relaxed watch than I thought it was going to be going in uh, obviously we saw the game two years ago you were there I was watching on TV mm -hmm. that went to penalties that required two late equalisers uh, from Johnny Burkhardt on that occasion uh, this was nowhere near as stressful and uh, I'm quite happy with that because by now Ellsberg are a much better team actually than they were two years ago as well. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think it, I don't think it was um, a particularly stressful game in the sense of they're, they're taking the game to us and we could actually get knocked out of the competition here but it was more of a, a stressful game in the sense of we're creating some chances. We, we lacked a few ideas in the final third. I don't think we were as fluid as we've seen Mainz play and I don't think we were as fluid as we will see Mainz play this season. Uh, and it was a case of 
you know, after sixty, after fifty minutes, after sixty minutes, the seventieth minute, it's that goal's got to come eventually, lads, because like you say, the keeper made two or three good saves. We had a perfectly good goal chalked out in the first half. Um, uh, Ludovic York was was in the replays very much on side. Sadly, there's no VAR in the first. I say sadly. Yeah, you say sadly. There is no VAR. <laughs> <Up> for debate. <laughs> <laughs> there is no VAR in the the first and second round of the German Cup competition. Whether that's a sad thing, whether that's a, a travesty or not, is is up for debate. Uh, but the goal was ruled out because the ref- uh, the line raised his flag, um, and and we we eventually got the goal. Whether it was a penalty or not is again it's up for debate. I think it probably what it's one of those that you can give. I've seen them given and I haven't seen them given. So you know the luck was on our side in this in this case, and the referee decided in our favour and as York tucked the penalty away. Um, but like I say, it was a case of after about 60 minutes of Danny De Costa getting down the right-hand side in the channel, Anton Stark spreading some, some good balls into the areas um, and a ball coming across and, and nobody really getting on the end of it. And we thought eventually someone's got to pop up in the right place at the right time and put the ball away. Yeah, I mean, I think really if, you, if we're talking about stress from the game, like you, we really are talking about the last probably 10 minutes. So it's eight minutes at a time and then a couple of minutes before that. Um, but... Really, I think we should kind of come at things. Let's let's look at things kind of roughly chronologically. So we already mentioned the brief outline of what happened, but I think if we look back, pretty positive start to proceedings. Uh, I can remember um, an Anthony Cassie cross that sort of was flicked onto Ward's goal by one of the Elversberg defenders. Decent save made from that. Um, Leandro Barrero broke forward and sort of had a three v two situation where he couldn't decide which of Azure and Anisifo who's going to slip in so decided yeah. to take this shot on himself it's quite weak unfortunately um, and then yeah I think the the other sort of real chance of note that I can remember really is Edmilson Fernandez from about 35 yards just shanking one wide but it was in it, we had a lot of the possession we had a lot of the territory territory in that kind of stage of the game um, and Anton Stack for me was the sort of key player in, in that opening exchange where he was basically just controlling the game, switching the ball from side to side, popping up with some crosses. Um, it was quite good to watch. It was, it was very, very dominant. Elversburg did get out of their own half, but not very much um, in those opening stages. And you kind of think, hopefully a goal is coming. And then it kind of just sort of calmed down a little bit. Elversburg took the sting out of things pretty nicely. Yeah, we definitely had all of the ball um, for the first 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and we thought, okay, this is a game that we're, we're taking to them and, and we're going to go on and hopefully win this fairly comfortably. But but the goal never came. Um, their goalkeeper made a very good stop. I think, was it from Onisibo? He got up oh, from the corner, yeah. From the yeah, corner, yeah. Um, got the header down into the to the bottom corner and the keeper did very well to get across to that and push it away. Um, and then the, the kind of half chances that you mentioned, Ed Fernandez's shot, Barrero looked, I thought, very good when he picked the ball up and looked to, to break in between the lines. Um, I thought he looked particularly good doing that. And, and Danny De Costa got forward on the right-hand side quite well as well um, and got beyond his got beyond his man and looked to put balls across across the face of goal. Um, and eventually the ball broke free in the centre of midfield. Like you say, Anton Schlaff played the ball uh, as York um, with with a run that I, I don't think is is uh, typical of him. He got across his defender very yeah, well through the two through, through the, the, the centre back two yeah. halves and um, finished it wonderfully. A, a left footed a left footed strike back across the goalkeeper into the bottom corner. Sadly, the lino saw the wrong thing and raised his flag. But that was a moment where I thought, okay, in the, the brief moment of celebration, yeah. right, there's the breakthrough. We're going to go and do this 3-4-5-0 now. But sadly, that wasn't the case. Do you know, it's funny enough for me, I, I'd already clocked the flag by the time he sort of winding up his left leg to put it in. Mm. Um, but 
also like seeing the ball hit the net my arms still went up <laughs> so I didn't start celebrating properly but my arms were like, up in the air and I was like oh I don't don't really know what to do yeah uh, so um yeah unfortunately uh that was not a goal on that occasion um and I think it would have been just about deserved and then probably you're talking about a different game in the second half Definitely. if Ellsberg had to come at us instead what they were able to do after the halftime break was kind of bank in a little bit really I was trying to think of like chances to note in that sort of first quarter of an hour 20 minutes of the second half and what all I could come up with was there was kind of a half chance for Lee where the ball comes across and he just sort of hits it and it hits the I think the goalkeeper makes a save um yeah there was Stefan the, Bell had a header from I think it was a corner or maybe a free kick I think it was the corner yeah that Bell got up to and, and forced a, a fairly routine save from, yeah from but it's still a good header it was, yeah. yeah one of the better chances um, and then really what we're talking about is a guy that came, basically became the protagonist of the game but for all the wrong reasons uh, in terms of the first penalty appeal so we're looking at the handball appeal here oh, the clearest penalty I think I've ever seen yeah so I think this is again Jason Lee sort of picks the ball up half chance doesn't really get a good enough shot away double deflection of the defenders and it unfortunately well not unfortunately in the end because they didn't Give away, we'll give away a penalty, but it's a uh, Manuel file. His, his arms just out to his left. Yeah, it's straight on. Uh, ref carries on. So it's one of those things. Like I don't know if it really does. Like in terms of like actual like punishment for crime, I don't know if it actually deserves like eighty percent chance of a goal. Um, but also like by the letter of the law, I don't see how it's not a handball. But then I also don't know the handball rule anymore. It's really confusing. I, I, I agree with you. I don't think anybody knows the handball rule. I, I remember seeing it from the away end, obviously, because it was right in front of us. And the way his arm was, was stretched out, it was almost at a, a kind of 90 degree angle. And it is, it's, it struck his arm in the middle. He might have sort of caught the thing. And as a defending team, it's one of those that you say is clearly not a penalty. He might, I've not meant to do that. I've not tried, I've not move my hand towards the ball, move my arm towards the ball. Um, but it is one of those kind of unnatural positions of you shouldn't have your arm there in the first place. And if it hits you, it's a handball. And I, I thought in the moment it was it was criminal that the referee's not seen it or certainly not given it. And then having watched the highlights, I was uh, angrier still. He's, like, yeah. he's, he's caught the ball. Like, come yeah. on. I mean, I think it's interesting because, I mean, that away end in Elvisburg is not designed for watching football in the slightest. I couldn't see the six-yard box, basically. Um, we, like, we weren't even in particularly a bad place to watch the game. Um, but, yeah, you just couldn't see it. But I could very clearly... That's the only thing of that sort of exchange of things I could see is that the ball has hit his arm. So I was absolutely livid at the time. Um, but then it's one of those things where you, sometimes I always, like, second-guess myself. Like, am I annoyed because I just want my team to get something? And, like, to a certain extent when you're in a crowd... The crowd are appealing for stuff that's completely nonsense and you're like, come on guys, calm down. Yeah. But then on this one, it's like, well, this is so vociferous, like there's something here. Yeah, definitely. It happens quite often, doesn't it? Where you hear kind of maybe half the crowd, half appeal for something and you kind of want to go with them and be like, oh yeah, I, I've, I think I've seen uh, something, but I'm I not. I think his leg's been broken. Exactly. I mean, yeah, exactly. It's like... <laughs> He's crunched in knee high, I'm not sure. Um, but it was one of those where the entire away end has screamed, and you, you could say I think I think it was Fernandez maybe that that was he was fuming, arms everywhere, and one of those I don't know, but I remember the the Michael Ballack moment chasing after the referee yeah. right into his face. How have you missed this? Sadly, he did, and um, it was a it was a more 
a more controversial decision that ended up winning is the penalty that, that Azul score from. Yeah, that's it's one of the things I think quite often when you then fairly soon after, I mean, it might have been about 10 minutes or something, mm. fairly soon after the chance you get another shout for a penalty and I think it's one of those ones where you can either give it or not give it. Uh, it's a nice little winding Brazilian run from um, yes. <laughs> Anthony Cassie <laughs> past a few players in midfield and then sort of into the box. Yeah. Gets a bit of a nosebleed, doesn't know what he's going to do. I think no, there's not really anyone in the middle of that point sort of trying to receive the ball. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I think he is kind of crunched by file, but I think it's actually a good tackle. He wins the ball first and then comes through the man. It's a strange uh, one, isn't it? It's one of those fullbacks beating a couple of men. He's got into the box and at that point... It's he's like, got what his, now? Exactly, it's <laughs> what now? He's got two things in his mind. He's either... Because he's, he's going away from goal slightly as well. So yep. what he's going to have to do is, is whip his foot around it to try and play it back across the box, play it into a, back out towards the touchline for, for another player to, to whip a crossing, or you're just hoping that a defender makes a stupid decision and comes through the back of you. And in the end, that did happen. But like you say, I think he wins the ball first, but it's yeah. one of those tackles where he's just put a little bit too much into it. Especially in the penalty area. You can't really do area. that, yeah. And he's, he's just put too much into the tackle in exactly the wrong place and he's given the referee the opportunity to give the penalty, which I think is, yeah. looking back on the one that he didn't give, maybe in the back of his mind, he's gone, ah, do you know what? I'm going to even this out a little exactly. bit. Exactly, yeah. I need to be given something here because the one that I didn't give was so stonewall that this one needs to be given. Tell you what, I think if we got the referee on to the podcast now, um, then he would probably be able to tell us his thought process in giving the penalty because he deliberated long enough that he played on for a good like three four seconds away ends going crazy and then all of a sudden he points to the spot and again I'm kind of like in disbelief like is this actually a gesture towards the spot or is he given a goal kick for some reason who knows but exactly in, in the moment I remember watching it I remember looking at the referee is because he's waved he's actively waved on as well there's a gesture to see no 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 play 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 he's won the ball and we're going, I cannot believe that he's not given another penalty. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's pointed to the spot. And I thought there must have been something that, that I've missed because, like you said, you couldn't see. The yeah, that, that little anyway. bit was completely out and, of view. So. And Cassie was, was on the floor. So I'm assuming that there was like a second action once the ball, because I followed the ball and, and been watching the referee. So I assume there was a second action that I hadn't seen, which would be worthy of giving a penalty. But there wasn't. So. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think it's one of those ones. I think Z- uh, Elversburg. I was about to call him Sandhausen for some reason. I, I think I just got <laughs> <laughs> sort of southwestern teams playing in white on on my mind. But uh, Elversburg. I think like they're pointing at that as quite a controversial thing. I think it sort of uh, wound up the, the coach, wound up the players, at least in what I saw post match on the on the TV. Definitely. Uh, so I don't think they can really be too offended by it. But you know, you would be, wouldn't you? I'd be annoyed if something like that happened. Of course, mine. If if you take it as an individual decision, then it's one of those that you can you can argue it's with 50, the way. 50, yeah. I understand. As a neutral wider penalty has been given, if it's been given against my team, I'm fuming, especially in the moment, or as the player myself, knowing that I've put in a, a crunching tackle against a player, a league higher, played the ball, and, and then, you know, for five seconds thought that I've played the ball until a referee <laughs> decided to change his mind. But on the, in the grand scheme of things, we've had a, a, a perfectly good goal disallowed for offside and a, a stonewall penalty that wasn't given. So it, it, it kind of does even itself out in the end. Yeah, uh, I think I would agree. Uh, obviously, Azork dispatched it. It's a very good penalty. Again, I wasn't able to tell that at the time. Uh, <laughs> I was just waiting to see if the net rippled and that was it. Um, but 
sends the goalkeeper the wrong way, right in the bottom corner. I've been watching a lot of penalties recently because we've had, obviously, the, the Pokal first round. Uh, there's been a lot of games on TV, lots of penalty shootouts and that. Obviously, the Women's World Cup have raised penalty shootouts to uh, the next level of art because the, there's just been incredible ones back drama, to back to back. The drama as a neutral has been fantastic. Yeah, so I've been analysing a lot of penalties. Ajok stepped up, looked confident, and he's just absolutely buried that so very happy with that and if he becomes the new penalty taker for the new season then uh, I don't think we have too much to worry about in terms of replacing Ingvartsen's uh, efficiency from the spot I wanted to say exactly that we've talked in the last episode about Marcus Ingvartsen scoring 10 goals I think 5 or 6 of them were from the penalty spot and um, as York stepped up and as confidently as, as you can take a penalty rolled it the, the other side of the goalkeeper um, he took, I think, three or four maybe in preseason. He certainly got one against Gensingen in the, in the yeah. community game. He got and if you can do it under that level of pressure, then come on, guys. <laughs> if you kind of take on a, a basically a good goalkeeper, then <laughs> no, he was. Um, he's he's proven, I think, that he's going to be the penalty taker and the first competitive penalty of this season. He looked confident. The ball was given to him immediately. Nobody argued with him. It was a very kind of this is my ball, this is going in the back of the net. Yeah, and all he had to do was wait about three minutes for Elversburg to stop complaining to the ref, (laughs) which honestly, that dragged on a little bit. And then 73 minutes in, we're one nil ahead. And then you kind of, that's a little bit of a difficult time to score, I think, in terms of going one nil up, because it's then, do you stick at what you're doing or do you go back and uh, just kind of defend your lead? In the end, I think we kind of did half of one and half of the other in terms of I think we still tried to get the goal but without really exerting ourselves too much I can't really tell you many chances of note after the 1-0 and before long it was time to start defending so first of a few sort of heart and mouth moments 82nd minute our good friend Emmanuel File (laughs) bearing down on goal similar similar position to where sort of Cassie was injured, I think, at least from my, my depth of view. Uh, it was kind of like sort of mirror image, right-hand side of the area this time rather than the left. But he's sort of going down, bit of a blind alleyway. Uh, tackle comes in. The ref gets a perfect opportunity again to then even up another controversial decision, uh, decision he's made, but obviously decides there's not enough there. Yeah. Absolutely incenses the midfielder. Yeah. Uh, who um, yeah manages to get himself sent off. Uh, when, I, it's interesting I was, I, I'm not sure whether I could call it a dive it's definitely theatric the way he goes down um, but yeah I mean between that and the descent like don't do that when you're in yellow card already no 100% I, don't, I wouldn't go as far as to, to say it was a dive but it's definitely one of those it's like Cassie isn't it he's got into the box they need to score a goal and he's, he's felt a touch it, it wasn't necessarily a tackle that's coming it's, it's definitely a strong shoulder that's kind of tried to brush him off the ball yep. and as a striker in that situation if you feel enough of a touch, you, you want to throw yourself down. Whether, whether people like that, whether that's a good thing or not, is is a, a different conversation to have. But I understand why he's hit the floor. Um, and I understand ex- exactly why the referee's then not given a penalty. It's not enough for a penalty. And it's it's definitely, for me, not enough to be a dive. Um, but and we, we can't tell what, what's been said at the other end. But whatever he did say, <laughs> it was it was probably blue and a bit much. And that's yeah. the reason for the, the second yellow card coming out. I think the best thing about that as well was not just the, the player himself getting sent off. It was the size of the hole in the advertising boards that the coach then kicked out of frustration that meant he saw red as well. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it, that was funny. Uh, I mean, obviously, again, you, you can't see that until you're watching back on TV, but <laughs> sizable dent in that holding. So uh, he's he's put his foot right through it. So <laughs> fair play to him, if anything. Yeah, no. Uh, so that that was uh, the sort of thing that then I think you you're one nil down, you're down to ten, and you're starting to think, do you know what? 
the world's against us, let's rally here. And kind of rally they did in terms of it took them a few minutes to kind of get on even kilter. But then you have uh, Paul Stock uh, who kind of comes in, puts it on his on his favoured right foot, hits the inside of the post with like a curled right footed effort. Uh, and then the ball just pops up completely free to him again on the rebound. Nobody like within the same postcode as him, basically. And then rather than just sort of kick it with his left foot for a guaranteed goal, he decides to take it on his right again, just ripples the side netting. Heart was in my mouth the entire time. It was for me. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Because like, when it first hits, his, leaves his right boot for the first shot, it looks like it's going in as well. Yeah, it's one of those beautiful kind of Thierry on refinishes. He's coming to the channel, the ball's popped out onto his right foot and he's kind of curled it around the goalkeeper in that Thierry Henry-esque, uh, what he was really famous for. And the ball's popped out and he's got an empty goal. Like you say, he had the freedom of Zaland to put the ball in the back of the net and equalise and he somehow hit the side net in. And I think not just from the home fans groaning that obviously they've missed a great chance to get the equaliser, <laughs> but the groan that came from the away end to, I cannot believe we got away with that. Yeah, heads and hands, honestly. Oh. Yeah, it was it was crazy. I, I the, the first one, I'm so surprised that that um, happened. Uh, second one, just like, honestly, I, physically to miss from there is so hard. <laughs> I don't think we'll, we'll see a, 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 a sitter like that for the rest of the season. Yeah. I think that's your big your big miss. That's definitely going in the Christmas highlights video. Has to be. Yeah, I mean, I hope we see a lot more sitters against us this season, but <laughs> who, who knows? Um, I, I mean, after that, so that's final minute of the uh, 90, uh, and then we go into injury time, eight minutes, as we said. Most of that for sort of the stoppage after Cassie was uh, mowed down in the area. Um Honestly, not much happened. I think the the ball went into the area quite a few times. The, the, their keeper's gone up for a few a few free kicks and corners. Zentner's claimed the ball every time. Yeah, there was a string of free kicks and, and corners that didn't really lead to anything. Zentner's claimed everything that he's had to claim. Um, and, and we've seen it out fairly well. We've had that real heart-in-mouth moment and then we've seen it out, like I say, fairly well. Um, I was disappointed, actually. In the end, the, the final whistle went after one of these free kicks was tossed in. The goalkeeper had come forward looking for the equaliser. Zentner's claimed the ball. And he's kind of held on to it for a few seconds, thinking, oh, I'm not entirely sure what I should do with this. And Marve Papaya has made the most unbelievable run out <laughs> on the left-hand side. Zent has picked him out with the goalkeeper all the way forward. And the um, and the referee's then just blown up for the full-time whistle. And in that moment, I've gone relieved, obviously, that the full-time whistle's gone. We've won the game 1-0. But I'm also fuming because the referee's taken away Papaya's, or what would have been a definite goal, because he was away on the halfway line all by himself. Yeah, no, I was actually kind of thinking to myself, like, if I was managing a team and keepers up for a sort of uh, a set piece, I probably would just leave my smallest player on the pitch, just like on the halfway line, just to kind of see what, you know, okay, if you score, then fine. But if we get the ball back, it's going straight into your own, into your half and we're scoring a definite goal. So um, not quite how it worked out, but... I don't know. I just want to see it one day. I love it when teams put a goalkeeper up and then they concede because uh, it shows the risk of the strategy kind of thing. hundred percent. It's it's one of those. Like I said, I, hope, I wish it had happened. Uh, I wish <laughs> it would have happened for the for Papella getting, I think, maybe his first professional goal for Mainz. I'm not sure if he scored for us before. He was definitely on loan at Sandhausen last season and got quite a nasty injury in the, in the second division. Um, but like I said, the, the full-time whistle went, which meant we'd won the game 1-0, and that's the most important thing. So we'll, we'll take it. Thank you very much, Mr. Referee. Yep, so we were through, uh, relatively unscathed. I think I've, I've seen it referred to as us kind of getting a little bit of a black eye at the end. But I mean, really, didn't concede, you know, one big chance. But 
if that's going to be the scare that you're going to have in a cup tie, then I'd much rather that than what like Bremen got at uh, Victoria Cone or something. Oh, 100%. I think in the cup, the, 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 the situation is the goal difference doesn't matter. There's no points at stake. So you know that the team that's losing 1-0 has got to throw everything forward anyway. They have to throw the kitchen sink at you. And I think that's exactly the case of what happened is we, we were in control for so long of the game, we kind of forgot that it was a cup game and they have to come forward at some point. And because we hadn't killed it off and made it 2 or 3-0... That opened the door a little bit and it was more of an invite for them to make it more interesting than, than it needed to be. Yeah, for sure. But uh, we are through. We're in the hat. And uh, yeah, in about seven weeks, we'll find out who we play in the next <laughs> round. So I got, can't, can't wait. <laughs> um, so, I mean, let's just do a few final thoughts before we go. Uh, obviously, the thing that we saw directly after kickoff was confirmation that Alexander Hackey is going mm. um, to uh, Pasteur's new, shall we say. Mm. Um, so there's quite an emotional um, kind of, yeah, goodbye between him and the fans. I think he'd travel to the game as a spectator to make sure he could say goodbye to everyone um, and uh, got one of the megaphones and sort of gave a little bit of a speech. You could see he was quite emotional at the end as well. Um, so yeah, he's, he's confirmed he's going. Obviously what we found out since then is that he's going to Saudi Arabia, which is yeah. very, very unexpected. Yeah, he's moving to the second division out there to a, a, a team I can't pronounce, um, which has kind of divided the Mainz fan base to a certain extent because Hackey's been at the club for nine years. He joined us in, in 2014. And, and has been a, a staple. We, we spoke about him on the last episode. He's been a staple of the team for almost a decade. He was there when you started watching. He was, he was obviously there when I started watching. And he, he made a very emotional speech to us after the game. He directed it personally to us in front of the away end to, to say goodbye before the club had officially confirmed that he was leaving this afternoon um, on the day of recording. Um, and it has left a... It's certainly left a bit of taste in, in my mouth. He's a very nice bloke and he will have his reasons for going. It was, it was I think, obvious that he was going to leave the club anyway. Rumours are today that he's rejected offers from Darmstadt and Augsburg, also Bundesliga clubs, to go and move to Saudi Arabia, which is a conversation anyway. It's a conversation that we won't go into today because there's too much to say in too little time. Um, but it's, it's, it's disappointing for me. I feel like if he's had offers from Augsburg and Darmstadt, Bundesliga clubs then he's probably hopefully had offers if not in Germany from other clubs there was a lot of talk of him potentially moving to the MLS um, so it is a very, it's a shame for me to see him go to Saudi Arabia yeah I mean I think it's one of those things that like I, I really like I can see why a footballer would want to do it to sort of take advantage of the fact that they're just offering obscene levels of money to basically play in a retirement league um, but I don't necessarily respect it in the in the way of you know go and do what you want, but I don't have to like it kind of thing. So I f I think it's basically the the only thing that I kind of really think about this is that it's interesting how they basically buried the lead the entire time uh, of it all being about him leaving, him leaving, him leaving. He was he was under contract for another year, um. So actually, the the identity of who he's leaving to is quite important, and yeah, the fact that he's sort of not really fronted up about the fact it's Saudi Arabia and this, that and the other. I think that's for a reason and that's like that's why it's been sort of so vague the last week probably. Yeah. Which, you know, you can see as positive or negative. Like he wouldn't have got probably quite as much of a glowing goodbye had he left um, with everyone knowing where it was going to be. Uh, but at the same time, you know, maybe for nine-year service, it shouldn't matter where he's going. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's one of those that's, that's I, I think, unfortunate more than anything. There's been, there's been reports or, or kind of ideas that he's not too happy with where he's been sent. But that also says, actually, do you know what? Nobody's forced you to go there. 
I, like I said previously, I don't believe that his only offer was two Bundesliga clubs or Saudi Arabia, which would lead me to believe that he's not gone to the two Bundesliga clubs out of love for Mainz 05, but I, I, I don't believe that. So it, it does leave a bitter taste, but purely in terms of uh, a young, or not a young, he's 29, but a young... Let's call him young, you know, I'm going to be 29 soon. <laughs> that evens of some of the players going to Saudi Arabia, he's, he's still a child, um, but the money he's going to receive over that, I don't actually, I don't know how much money it will be comparatively compared to the, the first and the second divisions over there, but I, I can't imagine it's it's pennies. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna move out there just because, right? Like, well, there's no, not exactly. there's there's no sporting reason to be there, especially no, in the yeah. second division. So, hundred no, percent, you know, maybe turn up against Cristiano Ronaldo in the cup one day, but it's <laughs> it's it's just not it's just not a thing that that needs to happen, basically. And I I'm putting a position out there. I'm fundamentally against players moving to the Saudi Arabian league. Um, but like that's a, that's a conversation for a different podcast and we'll leave it at I'm disappointed that he's gone where he's gone we wish him all the best for the future and, and maybe there's something in a coaching role or a managerial role for him at the club um, in, in the middle to longer future yeah once he's got his billions in the bank uh, anyway <laughs> uh, so um, I think the other transfer rumour mill news uh, that kind of popped out I think it must have been sort of either before or during the game on Saturday. I picked up on it on Saturday evening. Is that um, Delano Bugtog uh, wasn't with the team because he's been released for talks with another club. We don't again. We don't know who the identity of that is. So you know, probably Saudi Arabian third division. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, but no, I mean, it, it could be anyone. Um, but I think that would be another interesting one in terms of like looking at the um, squad uh, of and uh, really the strikers that we've got. Um, I think with Berg talking, you can see that there's a lot of there's the elements of a really good player in there, but the penny's not dropped while he's been at Mainz. Probably for him, Pastures new is what's needed ultimately to go and succeed in his career. He's not he's not a young young player anymore. He's what 24, so he needs to go out and actually make a name for himself properly. Um, so wherever he ends up, he probably does need to be playing a little bit more. But for us, in terms of him leaving, that really clears the path for Nelson Viper and uh, Brian Gruder. So I think really. I mean, you, you you would look at it and basically then we've got two first-team strikers that are going to be fit for the whole season and Anisivo and uh, Ajok, which makes me a little bit nervous because we obviously don't know how those two are going to step up to, those two meaning um, Gruder and uh, Viper, how they're going to step up to playing longer minutes in the Bundesliga. Um, and obviously we don't know how Johnny Burkhardt's injury situation is going to evolve. Obviously he's trying to get back before the end of the calendar year, but then how he's going to hold up in the longer term, who knows? So... Yeah. It maybe feels like a little bit of a risk letting a player that's got that high upside, even if the penny's not dropped, go. But then at the same time, you do have the clearing of the path for those two young, talented players as well. So Yeah, I'd agree with you with Burksolf. He's, he's obviously one of those players that, that has something. I remember he made his debut. Um, he came off the bench last season away at Union Berlin and picked the ball up and immediately flew past two players. He's, he's unbelievably quick. He's so rapid and he's technically a gifted player, but then missed a few weeks. He was, he was banned from training because of attitude problems. And there was a lot of talk of, you know, this isn't the kind of player that we want at the club. And then he had a period where he looked to work his way back in and had apparently worked on his attitude problems, whatever they may have been, um, to, to work his way back into the first team. But he's, he's never really made that grade or I don't know if he's been trusted by, by Bo, by the, by the managerial team. 
but he's he's not been a consistent first team player. Um, if he's played, he's got some minutes off the bench. So I don't I don't think him moving will be a lot of a miss. Um, it may be a case of actually if he does leave, maybe we look to bring in one more forward player. Um, I'm not sure. Obviously, you, you mentioned Burkhardt. The hope is when he comes back that he'll be as good as he was before he was before he was injured. He's been out for so long that I'm not entirely sure whether that will be the case. I want to put a lot of trust in him. I personally trust him. I think he's going to be brilliant when he's back to full fitness. But it is a case of it's a knee injury as well for a striker. Whether he ever gets back to that full fitness, we can only hope. Yeah, And also gradually letting him get back to it because I think probably being rushed back last season, obviously I don't know he was actually rushed back, but from the outside he was kind of off and on injured for quite a lot of the Hinrunda last year. Just allowing him to properly come back when he's actually 100% ready and then maybe play 15 minutes off the bench here and there until he's fully 90 minutes or even like I can start and play an hour kind of ready. Uh, that doesn't come straight away. Uh, and yeah, to, to be fit and then to be match fit, two very different things. Yeah. I imagine, I, I don't know, because I've, nev- I've never even been fit, let alone match fit. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, I think, yeah, that would be an interesting one to see. Maybe it's the sort of thing that alone would uh, be interesting to do. Just bring someone in who's going to fill a, fill the void for a year and then, um, yeah, see where that brings us. Yeah, in exactly. Time. I think the worst case scenario as well is, is obviously well the worst case scenario touch wood is is Yuri Jorks you on his egos pick up injuries as well but if, exactly horror if, scenario horror scenario but if your Borgsorg's leaving then that does like you say open the path for Gruder for Viper um, to come through and show what they can and the worst case scenario in that situation is that these young players get serious game time and a, a real chance to prove what they can do and we personally think or I, I personally think that they're going to do great things so yeah the worst case scenario is that we're wrong and they're rubbish but hopefully that's not going to be the case (laughs) but yeah i i I take your point giving them more minutes is not going to be a bad thing minutes have been limited for both of them i was a bit disappointed that obviously viper got on but very late far too late to really do anything i wanted to see gruder play a significant amount of minutes because he's been so hot in pre-season and easier to fit him in against Ellsberg than it is Union Berlin who are our next opponents uh, in the league on the opening day there I mean we should probably talk about that very briefly before we go that's going to be a tough test on on the opening day every time I look at their team they seem to have signed another player that like in my dreamiest dreams I would like to have at Mainz well they've come out and announced uh, Robin Golzins today uh, they've announced him today I'm not sure if they've announced him but that's it's one of those that's I saw there was a big rumour yeah without the maybe without the signature on the contract or they have signed it and they're just waiting to get a photo of him in the new shirt in the stadium before they announce him tomorrow oh Um, for goodness sake yeah it's uh, an unbelievable signing and and the other one that's come out today is, is Leo Bonucci. Well, is is looking at moving to to Union Berlin as well. What are they trying to do to us? Honestly, honestly, it's one of those things, isn't it? The team has just kind of gone into my dream cycle, and they've just picked out a random player from the from the twenty tens and gone right. We're going to pluck him in the team, and just, he would just be an number, even if it's just for twelve months. Just to, to be able to put Leo Bonucci on your team sheet and. You know, we'll go there and I, I'll personally be starstruck if he's there. I don't know how Brajan Gruder and Nelson Weipel will feel if they're getting marked out of the game at a corner by Leo Bonucci. But we'll see what happens. He's, yeah, it's, it's a tough game anyway. We always have tough games there. We were talking earlier about the, the home game last season, finished 0-0 in a, a game where nothing happened. Arguably the most boring football match I've ever happened, but I would take that again on the opening day of the season, an away point from home, a clean sheet away from home against a team that... 
I'm not sure we'll, we'll fight in the top four like they did last season, but we'll certainly be up in the kind of top six, seven European spots for me. Um, and and uh, just we the two times that I've been to Uni on the way before, we've lost and we've lost not convincingly, but have deserved to lose. So we're hoping for better this weekend. Yep, third time lucky for you. Hopefully second time lucky for me, although I had been to them before. So technically it's my third time there. So let's be lucky. Um, yeah, I think they are, they've been such a solid outlet, outlet outfit uh, for such a long time uh, in terms of keeping things fairly consistent. Uh, the, maybe the one sort of glimmer of hope for us on that opening day Um I mean, there's probably more than one glimmer of hope, but, you know, they've never really outplayed us. They've brought a lot of new players in. It is going to take probably some time to get that to the same sort of level of drilledness as there was um, in the previous season. On our side, we don't really have that same kind of problem in terms of most of the team that started in Elversberg. You probably assume will be the team that starts in Berlin, bar maybe the defensive situation if players have healed up uh, from their injuries. Um They've pretty much all played together for quite a while now, so uh, it would be hopeful for me that we're able to sort of have a good start. But you know, we'll never know. We're, we're only going to find out on Sunday afternoon. So it's the opening day of the season, isn't it? You, we'll be going with all these thoughts of the form book doesn't even go out the window. It doesn't exist it yet. It doesn't exist. It's, it's a blank book. <laughs> Nobody's written anything. Yet. It's it's the nerves. It's the excitement. Um, the away end is is sold out again on on Sunday. I don't know how many tickets exactly we've sold. Um, say quite a lot we, I would say more than a few um, but it is sold out and it's just going to be a, a good afternoon watching Mites again hopefully we just we just don't take a tonking and, and <laughs> the form book starts and then we've put a bad a bad report in so we'll see what happens well thanks Sheridan I think we should leave it there and we'll be back next week to discuss that and much more until then ciao for now thank you